Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Ellen Katz. She is Vice President of Utilities at Tilson and former State Consumer Council. We were talking this morning about bridging the digital divide. Good morning to you, Ellen. Good morning. Nice to talk to you again, Aaron. Well, first of all, tell us what Tilson does and tell us about your role there. Sure. Um Tilson is on a mission to build America's information infrastructure, which means that we are um, building uh, all kinds of broadband networks, telecommunication networks. We build 5G. um, We build wired and what we call wired and fixed wireless. And we also consult with communities and municipalities and states and companies that are looking at the solutions, trying to help figure out how to solve a particular problem. So I call us a soup to nuts company because we we can come in at the beginning of the problem, help you figure out what the solutions are, build the solutions, and even help operate it, uh, a particular network, if that's helpful. You know, I came to this position from my prior position as consumer counsel for the state where, you know, you and I talked many times because uh, I'm vice president of utilities here because I think there's a lot of um, actions that utilities can take, particularly our electric utilities, to support broadband deployment into unserved areas because uh, our, our utilities have poles and wires to every single house and they know how to deliver they know how to deliver essential services. And more than ever, we see that broadband is an essential service. So um, looking at the solution lens, through the utility perspective as well. Give us a snapshot of what the landscape looks like now when it comes to internet connectivity in Connecticut. For many people, it's either the the phone company or the cable company. Right. It's either the phone company or the cable company. And it, it really depends on where you live. I mean, when I was consumer counsel, we did studies that showed that people had very limited options in surprising places like certain areas of downtown Hartford where your only option may be a line from the phone company that can only provide you with the functional equivalent of a, of a DSL dial-up modem. Um, and then there's businesses in parts of Hartford, and these tend to uh, be some of the, the low-income urban centers 
where both individual consumers and businesses struggle to conduct their daily lives at a level um, because of because of a lack of really reliable, affordable high-speed access. And of course, there's been a lot of attention on the rural digital divide around the country, and, and that's also true in Connecticut. We've got our, our quiet corners where people don't have, you know, we believe it or not, there are places in Connecticut, um, thousands of consumers who don't have access to any sort of wireless or wired um, broadband solution other than maybe a, a cell phone or a particularly slow DSL modem or DSL line. When you do have connectivity in Connecticut, how do the speeds stack up against elsewhere in the country and, and elsewhere around the world? Let's talk about Connecticut in the context of the United States. Um, and remember, I haven't been in a public position in a year and a half. So my my knowledge reflects that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I've learned a tremendous amount being in the private sector about how to actually build networks and and what it takes. And compared to the rest of the country, you know, Connecticut is one of the most or more wired states, but that doesn't mean everybody is satisfied or connected, right? Um, and then the United States as a whole does struggle when you compare to other um, developed nations where it can be easier to get high-speed access. I'll give you an example. Two summers ago, I was in the fjords of Norway on a boat, <laughs> and Norway has invested in uh, connectivity, high-speed connectivity throughout its country. And I was in the middle of a fjords, you know, a deep chasm on a boat, um, and I had full bars on my cell phone the whole time. So um, that's where I would like to see the United States get to, where everybody has access all the time, and it's not a question of I live in a place or I'm driving through a part of town where I can't access access anything or very little. Um, and I, I will just say, you know, we didn't solve the problem with electricity until we decided as a nation that we were going to put in um, the time and the effort and the money to make sure every citizen had connectivity, was connected to elect electricity. And that was in the you know, the 1920s, it was called the Rural Electrification Project. And I, I think it's time for a broadband um, project because we need to get everybody connected. So how do you build out a network like that? Are you going to be using the electrical lines? Do you string new lines on, on the poles or do you use 5G or is it all of the above? I don't think there's a silver bullet here. I think it's a combination of every solution. Um, we, we need to bring every, every different entity to the table, table and talk about there's first the larger goal of, all right, do we all agree everybody needs to be connected? They need to be connected at a high speed. We need to agree what that speed is. And we need to make sure affordability is in there. Um, you know, I, I can access a Ferrari if I have enough money, but that doesn't mean I can truly access it. It's the same thing. You know, if it's going to cost you an inordinate, an, an extraordinary amount to get broadband access, then you haven't really solved the problem for most citizens. Um, so, you know, we let's. I want to start by making sure, you know, we give our existing providers credit. Um, they've continued to invest in Connecticut, but what I've learned, and so, you know, they're part of the they're part of the solution, and I think uh, we want to continue to work with them and make sure they're upgrading their networks. We're supporting those upgrades um, as a state 
to the extent we can. Um, but what I've learned in the private sector is that it's very expensive to build broadband networks um, to a lot of these unserved areas because it costs a lot. The, the, the capital expense can be very high. And then once you reach everybody's house, there may not be all that many customers in rural parts such that you can necessarily support the operating expense. Um, so we need to make sure we're looking at it as an interconnected system where every, like we do with electricity, right? If you live at the end of a, if you live in a rural part of Connecticut, you don't have to pay more for electricity, right? You, you're sort of, um, we sort of made a decision as a society that everyone is gonna support connecting everybody else. I think that's where we need to go in broadband, um, but it's a little different because we don't have one regulated or two regulated electric uh, broadband providers like we do with electricity. So it's gonna take some creativity and it's gonna take lots of different players being at the table, all, all sort of rowing in the same direction. But I believe Connecticut can do it. I think we are, we are um, poised to make some enormous steps right now. What lessons has the pandemic taught us about internet connectivity? Um, I think it has reinforced just how vital it is. And it's also highlighted just how severe the digital divide is in our country. There are many, many, let's, let's talk about the schools because um, I think that's where we felt it most immediately when we saw the shutdown last March, which is we said to all children, you gotta learn online, we're closing down the schools. And we saw how many children don't have access to adequate connectivity, uh, don't have affordable access, can't afford it, and may not have the, the equipment, the hardware, the laptop they need to interface with their school. And we've never said as a nation that if your parents can't afford to buy you books, you're not going to, you don't get an education. And to me, that's kind of functionally what we're saying uh, at this moment in time when we're directing children to learn online and not ensuring that every child has the same level of access. Um, and, and I will add that um, there's been a lot of hard work and creative solutions by um, the different districts and the state of Connecticut to um, address that problem. It's, you know, there's some short-term, there's some short-term solutions that have been implemented like Wi-Fi enabled laptops. Um, but that's not, I don't think, a long-term solution because there's a cost, there's monthly costs associated with that that can be quite high. So, so if there's a if there's a lesson coming out of the pandemic that I'm sort of, I'm happy to see everybody talking about, it's that, you know, I've advocated for years that we really we have a extraordinary digital divide that we're not appreciating and we're not appreciating the impact, and I think um, now the whole world is feeling that, and. I would add that just because, and just because you have um, connectivity through a provider right now doesn't necessarily even mean that um, it's enough for your needs going forward. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who are relying on their cable line and when their two children jump on a Zoom call with different teachers and they're trying to connect with work, it's just not working. Uh, and that's a, that can be a problem throughout Connecticut. So throughout the country, um, whether you live in, in a city or a suburb or the country or you know, a rural area, you're not necessarily have access to adequate bandwidth. So um, that's, another, that's another element in solving this problem. It's, we never want connected, but then we need to agree on what they need to be connected at what, at what speed.
we've seen during the pandemic the state using federal stimulus money to buy internet connections for students so they can learn remotely. Do you see that sticking around after the pandemic in some form, given that it seems that distance learning isn't going to go away on things for like snow days and, and things like that? Yeah, and I'm not sure. Um, uh, first of all, yes, the, the state has used the what they call the CARES Act, the stimulus money, to um, provide solutions for students to connect immediately, like right now. Um, and I think it's absolutely appropriate. We see a lot of other states doing it. Um, but other, Connecticut and other states are also like looking at longer term solutions. Um, there may be circumstances where that's, that's um, you know, a Wi-Fi enabled laptop uh, where you're sort of paying for the, um, the wireless service uh, is, is going to be the long-term solution. Um, but if you had, say, four children living in one household or even three children living in one household and you look at the cost per child for a wireless connectivity, um, in the long term, it may be more efficient to come up with with a wired solution to find a way to bring um, broadband closer to the home. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Ellen Katz. She is vice president of utilities at Tilson and former state consumer council. You wrote an op-ed recently uh, about the uh, the most recent federal stimulus bill and how there was some excitement for a moment when it included money to help build out a more robust broadband network, but then that fizzled, right? Yes. The stimulus bill that was um, the latest one that was passed towards the end of December, it initially had an enormous amount of money, like $6 billion for block grants to the states. And each state would get, as table stakes, $100 million. $100 million per state to spend as a state sees fit on solving its digital divide. And then there was additional money behind that that would be going to each state based on income levels and need. And so it would have been 100 plus for every single state. And those of us who work in the broadband industry, whether you're um, you know, in, an advocate or a company that's um, responding to need and building networks like Tilson is, uh, there was an enormous level of excitement about that. Um, we were all just sort of imagining what we could do with that kind of federal money, and it would go very far to closing Connecticut's digital divide. Unfortunately, at the last minute, it was cut out, um, and there are no longer the block grants to the states. We are hopeful that there are allies, um, legislators in Congress who will continue to to advocate for that, um, because that would be transformational. That would be the equivalent of the rural electrification project that we saw at the beginning of the 19th century, um, 20th century, because it's, it's like I said, what I've learned from being on in the private sector is it's expensive. And so we need capital to do this and we need um, partners who are can be creative and come to the table and all um, achieve this goal of, of universal access. So, but I'm hopeful, like, I think we can do this. I think we are uh, in the best position we've been to find a solution right now because because it is every, because everyone is aware of it. Um, I, I expect that the Connecticut legislature will be taking up this issue 
and again, looking at transformational initiatives. It's going to continue to be talked about at the federal level. Um, and I, I, like I said, I'm hopeful that the pandemic makes us all realize just how dependent we are on the internet and um, what we can do, the levers we all, we all can pull to solve the problem. Is there one jurisdiction in, in Connecticut or, or someplace in, in the country that has this right, where they have a robust broadband network that can be used as an example to build it out elsewhere? Well, I think there's lots of municipalities who have invested in um, networks, uh, whether whether it's through the provider level or, or through municipal action. Um, we've seen a lot of state action, but I wouldn't say we, there's, I can't name a state where everyone, everyone is connected. Um, but the example that everybody talks about is Chattanooga, Tennessee, where the municipal electric company um, invested federal money to create a, a fiber network, which means you can operate at the highest speeds throughout the city of Chattanooga, and it was transformational. Um, transformation, uh, Chattanooga is one of the hotspots now for um, high-tech startups because they've got cheap high-speed broadband and they have all kinds of business incubators. Um, and it's, it's, it's one example. Um, there's other examples, but it's probably the most well-known example of how you can really change the economics of a, of a community um, at the educational level, at the, uh, you know, working from home, telehealth, think of all the things that are enabled if, if everybody has access to unlimited bandwidth. It's a, it's a great incubator. It's a great example of that. Have there been communities in Connecticut that are, are making strides toward that goal? I, I know there, there have been some, some companies that have started to make inroads in, in some communities in, in the state and, and offering a, an alternative to the traditional sources of, of Internet. There's sort of two levels to that question. There's um, companies that are, let's call them upstarts, that are entering into the ecosystem where they're providing alternatives where maybe they're just providing high-speed internet. There's a company called GoNetSpeed. I live in West Hartford, Connecticut. I know they're in West Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, they're in certain parts of West Hartford where they are um, getting a tremendous take rate, I understand. And they, they offer something like a gigabit of service for, last I heard it was like 70 bucks a month for life. Um, there's also existing providers, um, Frontier, has invested in fiber in some communities. Um, and that has been really transformational, I think, for the people that have access to it. Um, Frontier, excuse me, Comcast is updating their technology where they're able to um, bring higher speeds into, into your home through, it's called DOCSIS 3.0 uh, technology. Um, the issue is the upgrades go where there's the most demand. Um, and so be, because, you know, they're, they're economic companies that need to, um, you know, operate based on a profit. So they're investing in areas. And so those, those are possible solutions. But we're also seeing um, at the state and, and local level, we're seeing a lot of leadership by uh, municipalities. Um, there's a coalition in the northwest corner of 26 communities uh, that have like Corning and um, Cornwall and Sharon, Connecticut, you know, this, this 
group of communities that have banded together to create something called Northwest Connect. And they're, they're bringing sort of the economies of scale by advocating for um, that people, that uh, they're looking for solutions collectively that will bring down the cost rather than trying to deal with, you know, six different small towns trying to find their own solution. They're, they're working together. Um, and, and I would also note that there are a number of uh, wireless providers that are investing in 5G. Um, Verizon is doing a major build in Connecticut. Um, there are, you know, we, we do a lot of work for Verizon on investing 5G upgrades. Um, and so that's going to be exciting as well. So that's why I say there's, we're going to need, we're going to need all these solutions on the table to solve the larger problem. Often government lags behind technology. Is that the situation here? Should the internet be regulated like utility or at least internet service? That's the $64,000 question to use an old analogy. I think those in the industry would say, I'll, I'll show you my personal opinion, which is I'm not sure that we need, I, I don't see us heading toward a rate regulated system like we do with our electric utilities. Um, but I do think government has a role in ensuring that every consumer has access. Um, and whether that's, now we're doing it through incentives. We're providing, we, the federal government, for example, and a lot of state governments are um, providing uh, competitive grants for companies to go build in unserved areas. So that is one model and that's that's proven to be helpful. Um, I, I personally would like to get more money into the hands of the states because if you want to know who isn't connected in your community you ask the mayor who hears from uh, the constituents on a particular street who don't have a good connectivity you ask the school superintendent or the teachers they know what students are struggling to get connected you talk to the rotary club or the chamber of commerce they know the businesses that are struggling and so we need to get to that level of grassroots knowledge to figure out what the solutions are. And that's why I think um, I'm a big advocate for, poor, for putting more money in the form of block grants in the hands of the states and then ultimately in the hands of the municipalities to work with both existing and new providers to solve um, the digital divide and also provide the necessary upgrades to ensure that we keep up right? Just because you've got, it's adequate now, it may not be adequate next year. Um, a lot of people found that what they had a year ago was adequate. Now that everybody's working from home, speeds aren't adequate. And so we need to create a model that allows us to continually upgrade to meet what will definitely be an increasing need for more and more and more demand as we, as we go forward. In our last minute or so, if someone is hearing this and thinking to themselves, well, I, I'm not satisfied with my internet connection. Is there a place they can go to figure out what is available in their area? You know, there is not one great source. Uh, you can, people tend to know what's available, like um, whether it's Comcast or Frontier um, or Charter or Atlantic Broadband. You want to start with your um, existing providers and see if they have upgrades available. Um, a lot of times there's tiered pricing. So maybe you're paying for one level of pricing, but you need higher speed and you're willing to make the investment in additional, um, in the additional tier to upgrade available speeds. But you may well find that what you have is the best that's available uh, in your neighborhood, in which case then you need, that is when you need to start 
talking to your mayor or your first selectman, advocating for, you know, letting them know that you have an issue. We are seeing, like I said, talk to your legislators. We are seeing, uh, we are expecting to see some sort of um, legislation proposals in at the uh, Connecticut legislature this year. I don't know what they're going to be, but I know there's there's some things coming. But first and foremost, we need to know where the needs are. And, and that comes from people raising their voices because there is not one uniform mapping system in the country right now. Um, and we don't necessarily even know from a broader perspective uh, where the greatest, we know where pockets of needs are, but we don't necessarily know down to the, the house level, the premises level that, oh my gosh, this whole street doesn't have Um, has inadequate options. She is Ellen Katz, Vice President of Utilities at Tilson and former State Consumer Council. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.